Welcome to New Life with Adam Camp. This podcast is a ministry of Rosemont Baptist Church in LaGrange, Georgia. Please visit us on the web at rosemontchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. What an incredible time of worship together. Thank you, worship team, for all your diligence and your prayer and all the work you put in to lead us to this point. I know that God was honored and glorified through that. Let's pray together. Father, we are thankful for uh, sensing your spirit, Lord, in, in our presence right now. And Lord, so many are being led by you, Lord, and, and interested in hearing from you. So I, I pray right now that you would just, through, through your word, Lord, not through anything that I say, but through your word, that we would hear from you, Lord, and we would understand clearly who you are. And who you've called us to be, Lord. You give us discernment and understanding and the ability, Lord, to take what we learn and apply it to your lives. And Lord, through the power of the Spirit, we pray we'd be transformed more into your image. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, if you pay any amount of attention to the news, the statement I'm about to make to you is going to make a lot of sense. The world, it seems at times, is spinning out of control at a very rapid pace. If you watch the news or you read the newspaper or you uh, play around online, it doesn't take you very long to understand that there are great issues all around the globe. ISIS, we've all heard of and are aware of their growth and the very dangerous threat worldwide that they pose Russia's aggression in Ukraine and of late with some of their war planes seems to be kind of pushing the envelope. The Ebola virus in West Africa is becoming more and more of an epidemic. And yes, we're still going to Africa for those of you that are wondering. (laughs) I've had people ask me, what about Ebola? What about Ebola? It's a thousand miles from where we are. We're going to go. The Lord's going to provide. The continued threat against Israel... And the fact that it seems like, at least in our country, our support for Israel is waning. We could spend all morning thinking about the Christians all around the globe that are persecuted and and martyred. It seems as if things are going from bad to worse. That's just overseas. As we begin to consider some of the things that we deal with in our country, the picture isn't any, any nicer or any rosier. Christianity is disregarded in most parts of our society today. Our beliefs and our faith are questioned and challenged regularly. It seems as if we're fighting for the very basic tenets of the Christian faith now. Very basic Christian values are in harm's way. Just one example I saw this week, some of you may have read, that the Air Force is apparently removing so help me God from their enlistment oath. Did anybody else hear about this? Yeah, you read the story. Let me read you just a little portion of the story. Members of the U.S. Air Force will no longer be required to say, so help me God, during their enlistment oath. The American Humanist Association threatened to sue on behalf of an atheist airman. The unnamed airman was denied re-enlistment August 25th after crossing the phrase out of the oath. On and on and on and on the list goes. But here's the sobering part about all this. These attacks on Christianity are not going away. 
you need to go ahead and settle in for the long battle. Because we're going to continue to be attacked. We're going to continue to be set aside. And if you are a Bible-believing follower of Jesus Christ, you're going to find yourself more and more marginalized and set aside in society. So the question becomes, what do we do about it? Our first instinct may be to run and hide. Let's just kind of build a big tall wall and a fence and let's keep all of uh, the believers in the fence and let's keep all the world out. And that seems appealing until we understand Christ called us to go into the world, right? So we can't run and hide. We have a tendency sometimes of being afraid, right? What are we going to do? How are we going to fix it? Sometimes, sometimes we get angry. If you're like me, you find yourself talking to the radio. <laughs> They're talking out loud as you're reading the article. What is possibly going on? How could this possibly be the case? How is it that the things of Christ are being pushed farther and farther and farther away? So, here's what we're going to do. We're not going to run and hide. We're not going to get angry. We're not going to be afraid. We're going to open the truth of the Word of God and see what He has to say about it. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Now this sermon is going to be different. We've been preaching through and studying through the Holy Spirit. And and on my preaching calendar, this was the last week I plan on preaching the Holy Spirit. And it is the last week. Next week, my family and I, I'll I'll be preaching next Sunday morning. We're leaving for Zambia. And the Lord's given me, at least in my mind, a, a special message I want to preach next Sunday morning. So this is the last sermon I'm going to preach on the Holy Spirit, but it's going to be a little bit different because I'm not going to focus specifically on the Holy Spirit. I had planned this week as I kind of scheduled things out to preach on Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the Spirit. Goodness, patience, kindness, all the things that we study. But I just felt as I really studied through this week and prayed through, the Lord didn't want me to preach about Galatians 5. Instead, He wanted me to preach about Ephesians chapter 6. Because believe it or not, you may or may not be aware of this, but Christianity is under spiritual attack. There are spiritual battles that are raging for the hearts and minds of believers all across this world. Now I want to paint a little picture for you. Some of you may be skeptical. Some of you say, I've never heard of spiritual warfare. I'm not really sure about what you're talking about. I've never seen it in the world But I want you to understand something very clearly. What what you're seeing and what you're hearing and what you're reading about and all the difficulties of the world, those things are not battles of one person versus another. I want you to hear me on this. Those are battles of good versus evil. It's very clear. There's a spiritual battle that rages even now. And I think for a lot of believers, it's time that we not only understand exactly what spiritual warfare is, but I think we ought to prepare ourselves and how we ought to deal with it as we move forward. Now, if you spend any time studying the Word of God, you know that really from the beginning, the enemy has attacked the Lord. It's been the desire of the enemy really since the beginning of Genesis to take all the plans of the Lord and to attack those plans and to set those plans aside and to stop those plans from happening. So for example, Genesis chapter 3, sin enters the world. 
And the Bible tells us the serpent, who we know now as the enemy, the devil, was more crafty than any of the other animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? See, it begins with a lie. It begins with a trick. The enemy sees the plans of the Lord and he attacks those that are interested in serving. 2 Kings chapter 6 is a very interesting example of spiritual warfare. You don't have to turn there, but you may want to jot this down and read more about it. 2 Kings chapter 6, beginning in verse 16, Elijah was going to be in battle for the Israelites and he was outnumbered and he was afraid. And we read in 2 Kings 6, 16, Don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elijah prayed, Lord, open his eyes so that he may see. Right? So there's this sense that the Lord says there are more of us than there are more of them, but we look around and we're greatly outnumbered. And so Elijah says, Lord, open his eyes so he can see. Then verse 17, the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. It was a spiritual battle. He just thought it was physical. We read accounts of the Lord walking through the area of Galilee and Judea and Samaria and healing people. And oftentimes we see that when we'd come across someone that was acting out of his mind, he would see very clearly, this isn't a physical issue, this is a spiritual issue. This person is demon-possessed. And so he would pray and the evil spirits would come out of this person. Over and over and over we see throughout Scripture that the devil attacks, the devil seeks to defeat... And he does it on a spiritual level. Now here's what you need to understand. Some of you walk through life thinking that the problems you're dealing with are because of one person or another. You think it's because of circumstances at work. You think it's because you and your spouse can't get along. You think it's because your boss isn't being fair to you. All those things may be true, but at the root of all those things, there is spiritual warfare. It happens in our marriages, it happens in our jobs, it happens in our relationships, it happens in our church, it happens in the world events that surround us every moment of every day. There's a battle raging, but our enemies aren't human, they're demonic. So let's take a look at Ephesians chapter 6 this morning and delve into some of this truth that the Lord gives us. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. Paul, who's written to the church at Ephesus, is now going to conclude with the word finally, right? So I've told you all these things. I've explained to you how to live. Finally now, this is kind of the the final piece I want to put together in this puzzle of the book of Ephesians. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Verse 11. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, now here's the truth, is not against flesh and blood. Let me read that again. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Verse 13, Therefore, put on the full armor of God. So when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything... To stand. Now we're going to stop there just for a few minutes and we're going to understand some truth. We're going to understand some foundational truth that will help us move through this passage of Scripture and better live our lives. Here's truth number one. We've already talked a little bit about it. 
But I want you to understand it very clearly. Number one, this text tells us that we must recognize that we are in a spiritual battle. You need to recognize that you're in a spiritual battle. Now I want you to think with me just for a second about the issues in life that you're dealing with. And we could go around this congregation and we could name hundreds of different issues. On a big picture scale, they're political issues that maybe we're involved in, maybe we're struggling with. Maybe they're social issues that we're dealing with, that we're struggling with. Maybe they're economic issues that we're dealing with, things that we're struggling with. Bring it, a, bring it a little closer to home. Maybe we're dealing with some family issues. Maybe we have problems at home. Maybe with our spouse. Maybe with a child. Maybe with a grandchild. Maybe there's a problem with a co-worker at work. Maybe that person's unfair to us, treating us unfairly. Maybe there's a problem with a boss. He does things that just seem unfair to us and things that we don't like. I just want you to imagine just for a second. If you understood very clearly at this moment that all those issues are not about that person, they're spiritual, how would that change the way you deal with those situations? How would you live your life differently? You say, I'm I'm not sure I'm, I'm following what you're saying, Adam. Well, think through this with me person at work or the person you go to school with is dishonest to you. Maybe they're unreasonable in something that they've done. Maybe, maybe they're unfair. Maybe they're unkind. Maybe they're unselfish. You can kind of fill in the blank. We can all fill in those blanks. But here's the very interesting thing about all those things. Dishonesty and unfairness and unkindness and being selfish. All those are spiritual issues. All of them are spiritual issues. Just think about this for a second. If you and the person you're dealing with were both Christ-like in everything that you did, would you have a problem with each other? No. If you lived your life according to the truth of the Word and they lived their life according to the truth of the Word and you were kind to one another, you were loving towards one another, you were unselfish, you were giving, there wouldn't be problems. The problem is not with the person. The problem is with the spiritual issues that person deals with. Now truth be told, let's be honest with each other. Sometimes we're the problem, aren't we? Sometimes we want to blame it on somebody else, but if we're real honest, we know in our hearts we're the problem. Maybe we're not treating people the way we ought to treat them. Maybe we're not giving the way we ought to give. Maybe we're not loving the way that we ought to love. But Paul is very clear in this text. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. Our battles are spiritual in nature. Okay, great. I, I get that, Adam. I, I get it. So, so we're fighting this spiritual... There's this spiritual battle that's taking place that we can't necessarily see, that we're not going to fully understand, but the guy at work or the issues at home or all the problems, those are spiritual issues at foundation. Great. So what do I do about it? Well, let's look at the text again, verse 10. Paul says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, there it is again, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Verse 13, Therefore put on the full armor of God so when the day of evil comes, you may be able to, able to stand your ground and after you have done all, done everything to stand. Here's the second truth. We need to first of all recognize... That we're in a spiritual battle. And I've moved on past that, but that's huge. 
Too many believers don't understand that we're in a spiritual battle. So that's foundational. Here's the second truth. Because we're in a spiritual battle, we must rely on God's power. Because we're in a spiritual battle, we need to rely on God's power. Verse 10 could not be clearer. Finally, Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. It's not about your ability. It's not about your strength. It's not about your power. It's about the power of the Lord at work within you. Now here's the problem we face as believers, and I I, I face the same issue. We look at the issues that we're dealing with in life, whatever they are. And we put God in this little box and we say, Lord, I I know this is an issue, I know this is a struggle, but Lord, you couldn't possibly fix this. (laughs) It's just too too much of a mess, Lord. I mean, you you just don't understand what's going on in this situation. You don't understand the situation at work. Lord, you you don't understand my marriage. You don't understand the struggles that I'm facing on so many different fronts. Or you just don't, you don't get it. There, there's nothing you're going to be able to do about this. Well, let me just promise you one thing. There's always hope in the Lord. And it never has anything to do with our ability, but only with His now Paul touches on this in the first part of Ephesians. If you wanted to flip back, you could, or you can just make a note of this. But I want you to listen to the words of Paul In the very beginning of the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 18, he says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. And there's this sense, right, that we can't see everything. He's kind of leading up to this idea of spiritual warfare, but we can't see everything. So I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, right, that you can see in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints, and in verse 19, and His, describing Lord, His incomparably great power for us who believe. Paul goes on to say that this is the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Let's pause just for a second right there. If we're going to say that the Lord has incomparably great power... That's what the Scripture says. If we're going to say that that same power raised Christ from the dead, that's exactly what the Scripture says. If we're going to say, as we said for the last several weeks, that the Holy Spirit dwells within us, and that's what the Scripture says. If we're going to say all those things, doesn't it hold true that all the issues that we're dealing with, the Lord's got the power to deal with those things? Why should we for one moment ever question that? Why should we for one moment ever really wonder if He can fix these issues? Why should we for one moment doubt His power? You say, I don't know. I read about all these people in Scripture that are strong and they're faithful and they take strength from the Lord. Here's what you probably don't know about a lot of these people. They were scared to death just like you are. We read time and time and time again how the Lord takes weak, unbelieving oftentimes, unfaithful individuals and equips them with courage and strength so they can accomplish great things for Him. That's what the Lord's in the business of doing. If you think you're strong enough to accomplish it yourself, chances are you won't. If you're honest enough to say, Lord, I'm a total wreck and failure without you, use me, chances are He will. 
Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 6. Moses speaking to the children of Israel just before he died. Here's what he says. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. Watch this. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. The Lord speaking to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1 verse 9 after he'd just been given charge of the Israelites. The Lord says to Joshua, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. 1 Samuel chapter 30 verse 6. We, we, we hear of King David and we think about the, the, the mightiness of King David. And we think about Goliath. And we think about he led the Israelites. And he was a, a man of God in his power. And we read 1 Samuel 30 verse 6. And the Bible says, David was greatly distressed. I take comfort in those kind of verses. Me too. Because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and his daughter. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Where are you finding strength? Where am I finding strength? Are we walking through life dealing with all these issues on our own power, trying to find our own strength? Are we aware that this is a spiritual battle and we need to allow the Lord to work in us and we need to rely on His incomparably great power? The Lord's doing some pretty neat things in our church and I think that's very obvious to to those that are kind of paying attention and and missions is one of the areas He's doing a mighty work. But it's always very encouraging to me to to see how the Lord works in the hearts of people. I, I get this really unique privilege of of having real personal conversations with people along their journey. And I know some of the stories of people that have been struggling mightily for months and even some for years about the Lord's call in their life. And I get to see them wrestle with what the Lord's doing. And I I get to see them be challenged and, and, and take these little steps of faith moving closer and closer and closer to the things of the Lord. But here's the thing I'm learning more and more clearly in this process. These people are not doing anything without the power of the Lord in their hearts. I'll give you a great example. Randy Bannister, who's in our 830 service, and I got his permission to use him as an illustration. Randy, many of you guys know Randy. Dondi, if you went with us to Guatemala. The kids, kids couldn't say Randy in Guatemala, the little young kids, but they could say Dondi. And they loved Dondi. They would chant Dondi's name. It was, the, it was the coolest thing. When Pastor Raphael came... Randy wanted to have lunch. He called me. He's like, I want to go lunch with you. I want to meet. I want to meet with him and have, just talk to him again and pray with him. I was like, come on, meet us. And so as we're driving to lunch, I told Pastor Raphael, we're going to meet Randy. He was like, Randy. I was like, Randy Bannister, Randy. And I said, Dondi. Dondi! See, Dondi! He remembered that. But Randy went the first time to Guatemala. And by his own accounts, he had a miserable time. He said, I, I felt called to go. But he said, I, I just... I wanted to do some things that I just didn't really feel called to do. I wanted to go build a house and do construction. And so Randy went and tried all those things and was really miserable. And Randy came back and he had a terrible experience. And he he just didn't want to go again. The Holy Spirit just kept nagging at him a little bit. And just kind of kept nagging and kept reminding him and reminding him. And really in the 11th hour of the next trip, the next year, Randy signed up. And he said, I prayed a lot about it and I just wanted to hear from the Lord and I just wanted to do the, the, the will of the Lord. And he said, I thought, you know what, I need, to, I need to serve in my area of giftedness. You know, we talked about spiritual gifts last week. He said, I just want to serve in my area of giftedness. And he said, I'm good at administration and logistics and so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do those kinds of things. And he went down there and he just hit a home run. 
And he came back and he said something at our missions conference that I, that I thought was so profound. He said, the first time I went, I was broken down and sick. He said, the second time I went, I've never felt stronger. Randy didn't do that in his own strength. Randy did that through the power of the Lord working in his heart. All the Lord wanted him to do is say, Lord, I'm weak. <laughs> I'm a failure. I can't do this on my own. I need you to lead me. I need you to guide me. I need you to give me your strength. See, the moment we wake up and realize that we have the power of God to accomplish everything He's called us to accomplish, it changes the way we view the world. So there's a spiritual battle that we're facing. It's clear in Scripture. It's not flesh and blood. Because there's a spiritual battle, we we need to rely on God's power and then here's the third truth I want you to see. Number three this morning. Not only do we allow, rely on God's power, but number three, we need to put on God's armor. Look with me in verse 13 if you would. Verse 13 of Ephesians chapter 6. Paul says, Therefore put on the full armor of God. Right? Because it's a spiritual battle. Because we can't fight it. Because we've got to rely on the Lord's power. Therefore you need to put on the full armor of God. By the way, it's God's armor, not ours. I think that's interesting. So when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after all you have done, stand. I just hold, just hold up for a second right after verse 13. This could really be a whole sermon, but I just want to insert something very interesting in this passage of Scripture after verse 13. Notice Paul says we need to stand our ground. Be able to stand. Put on God's armor after you've done everything else to stand. Right. The point is, the Lord's going to do the fighting for us. All we're asked to do is rely on His strength Take up a defensive position and allow the Lord to do the fighting. In fact, when you read through these different pieces of armament in verses 14 and following, the vast majority of them are defensive. So look with me in verse 14. Stand firm. There it is again. We're to stand in the power of the Lord. So when the devil attacks us, we're going to stand firm with the belt of truth. Buckle around your waist, that's defensive. With the breastplate of righteousness in place, that's defensive. With your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. There's a defensive weapon again, defensive armament. Which can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation. There's defensive again. And the sword of the Spirit. That's the only offensive weapon we're given is the sword of the Lord. Which is the Word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions. And with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. I mentioned Pastor Raphael a couple of minutes ago. We, we wanted to tour him around and see some pretty neat things while he was here. And so I had him one day and I took him down to the Infantry Museum in Columbus, Georgia. How many of you have been to the Infantry Museum? If you hadn't been, you ought to go. It's worth a Saturday morning. It's free. You can give a donation if you want to. But you don't have to pay for anything. No, it's, it's a world-class museum. It's, it's very, very well done. And so I took him down there, and, and at the Infantry Museum, there's actually an indoor firing range. They, they don't shoot real rounds. It's a laser deal, but they're real weapons. And so he and Maria got to shoot in the firing range. If you've ever done that, it's, it's a blast. It's a blast, right? It's really fun. <laughs> I had a lot of fun doing that. We walk through the Infantry Museum, but as you, as you kind of tour through the museum, if you kind of go in the order that they set it up for you, notice something. Notice something about this museum. The weapons have gotten increasingly better over the years. So 150, 200 years ago, you're talking about horses and bows and arrows and knives. And now we're up to nuclear weapons and everything in between, right? 
Here's the truth about fighting in a war. And again, I'm, I'm, I'm operating under this assumption this morning that we're at war. It's a spiritual war. But here's the premise of weaponry. The better your weapons, the better your army's going to be. If you've got more sophisticated weapons than I do, you're probably going to win. See, we, we've been given all this armament and all these weapons of the Lord. Here's the question. Why don't we put them on? Why don't we take full advantage of them? I'm going to tell you why. It's very clear. I know exactly why we don't put them on. I know exactly why we don't use them to the fullest extent the Lord has given them to us. You ready? Here's why we don't put them on. Because the vast majority of us don't know we're at war. You think everything's just fine. You think everything's just good. You think there are no major issues in the world. You think Christianity's fine, you're rocking along, no problem. What you don't know is the devil is attacking you at every move. Maybe his greatest attack in America is apathy. We just don't care, do we? Because everything seems so good. He's attacking you. He's attacking your family. He's attacking our country. He's attacking the very foundation of who we are. And so Paul says, be aware. You're at war. You've been given all these tools and all this equipment. You need to use it. You need to put it on. Paul says, clothe yourself with righteousness and with peace and with faith and with truth and with the sword of the Word of God. Paul says you need to use these things. You need to recognize the fight and you need to defend yourself against the attacker. You know, the devil is the author of lies. And he's good at making us believe a lot of things. But I believe, especially based on the truth of this scripture, that one of the biggest lies he's ever told and one of the biggest lies that we have ever believed is that spiritual warfare is not real. He's tricked us into thinking everything's just fine. So you need to understand that that person you're dealing with, that situation you're dealing with, that job that you're dealing with, that marriage problem that you're having, those are all spiritual battles. We need to recognize the battle. We need to rely on the Lord's strength. We need to put on the full armor of God because I want you to understand something very clearly and I'm going to finish with this. The battle is not going away. It's not going away. It's only going to get more difficult. But no, but no matter how, how intense the battle rages, no matter how difficult the fighting is, always cling to this. There's always hope in Christ. If you'll just trust Him. Let's pray. Father, thank You again for Your Word, Lord. It's clear. Forgive us, Father, for forgetting oftentimes about the spiritual battles that surround us. Lord, we, we think they're about flesh and blood. We think they're about attitudes. Lord, we, we think they're about issues that, that swirl in, in people's minds, Lord, but it's not really about that. Lord, we know that there's a battle that rages right now for the hearts and souls of believers and the hearts and souls of people all around this world. Father, I pray that you would just make very clear to us right now and in the week's to come, Lord, that the spiritual battle is very real. Make us aware, Father, of our need to rely on You. Make us aware of the tools at our disposal. And Father, I pray You'd use us in a mighty and powerful way. 
It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You can stand. We're going to give you the chance to come and pray at the altar if you want to do that. We're going to give you the opportunity to, to repent of your sins and accept Christ or join the church. This is your time to respond as we sing together. You come. Thank you for joining today's sermon. We would love to hear how today's message blessed you. Use the Contact Us link on our website at rosemontchurch.org. God bless.